Welcome to Freedom Matters Today. I'm Michael J. Sutton, and this is episode 88 in our series, Freedom from Fear. Title of today is Freedom from Attack. Every year in the Japanese town of Akko, there is a wonderful parade on December the 13th that marks the tragic story of the 47 Ronin, or Masterless Samurai. These were 47 samurai who worked for and served the Lord of Akko, who was forced to commit suicide under mysterious circumstances whilst on a visit to the capital of Edo, which is now Tokyo. There was a scandalous incident in the Shogun's Palace in Tokyo where their lord drew his sword, which carried the death penalty. Why the daimyo, or the lord of Akko, drew the sword and what the real story was has been lost to history. But the 47 samurai waited for two years before they took their violent revenge on the man they held responsible, decapitated him and took the head to the grave of their lord before being asked to take their own lives. It's a remarkable story and one that is very significant in the culture and history of Japan. And not surprisingly, the parade at Akko every year is a spectacular one, or certainly was in the days before COVID. I had the privilege of recognising one of the participants who was a famous actor, and we enjoyed a delightful conversation. He was astonished that I recognised him, since he was not in costume, but sometimes faces are unforgettable. During that march, there was a group, there was a group of men most of them elderly men, elderly Japanese men, who appeared in the most incredible samurai costumes. I've never seen anything like it. They all looked brand new. They were meticulous. They were historically accurate with helmet, breastplate, arm, leg guards and all the trimmings. For students of history, they were remarkable recreations. I've seen them march a few times over the years, but what astonished me at first was their ease with walking. Because samurai armour is very, very heavy, and these men were not young men. Then I discovered that this was not real armour. It was, in fact, light cardboard, paper and fabric. I remember sighing with relief because the march was long and it was a very hot day. No wonder they sauntered through the town like real samurai. They were not dressed for battle. They were not expecting an attack, except an onslaught of tourists with their cameras and admiration. Soldiers wear armour to protect themselves in battle. Armour provides freedom from attack. God's armour is sufficient to protect God's people from the attacks of the devil. There are three important truths about this attack that we can learn from Paul's imperative in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Put on the armour of God, that you may make your stand against the devil's schemes. First, an attack is expected. Second, armour is needed to repel the attack. Third, God has not left us alone during the time of attack. First, an attack is expected. Paul does not only mention this attack in Ephesians, so Christians cannot be quick to discount it. 
Many seem to think that they are untouchable as Christians, that they are impervious to sin, wickedness or temptation. Jesus was the Son of God, and yet he was tempted by Diabolos. Jesus was the Son of Man, and yet he was not untouchable. They crucified him. I once met a man who told me that he had never sinned in his life, that he was not capable of sinning, and that he had never done anything wrong in his entire life. I quickly looked at his wife, who said, Well, you should have heard him this morning. I have, however, met many perfectionists in this life, and they are people who think that because they are Christians they are immune from sin or struggling with sin or falling into sin. Even pagans know this is impossible. So it's a remarkable delusion for those who claim to know God that they live under such self-deception. These perfectionists love Paul even though they ignore him. So let me remind them of what he says. They have apoplexy over Romans 7, so we'll pass over it as I don't want them to die before the next paragraph. But in Romans chapter 13, verses 12 to 14, Paul writes these words. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Paul here tells us, tells his readers to put on the whole put on the armour of light, which is an imperative, something his readers are called to do to prepare them for battle. And it's strongly implied in these verses that a Christian life is not an automatic one, but one that requires sensible living, waking up from sleep, getting ourselves together and standing firm against the ways of life that are not appropriate for Christians. It is a battle. It is obvious that it is. But Paul doesn't stop there. In his first letter he uses battle imagery in 1 Thessalonians, which was his first letter. Chapter 5, verses 7 to 9, he says, For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, attacks are coming, the battle is real, you are not immune from temptation. You are not beyond the schemes of evil, even though you have come to faith. We have to give up this crazy perfectionism. As Paul reminds them, let us be sober. And he does through faith, hope and love as parts of armour that as Christians we are to put on to face the days ahead. Life is tough. Even pagans know this, and they don't know God. So why don't we take a leaf from their book? And if they're trying to be careful in their life, and you are not because you think you're too good to worry about the problems of life, then my friend, you are in serious trouble. Paul is under no illusion about the battle of faith or the fight of faith, 1 Timothy 6.12. The Christian life is not a walk in the path, so why would there be no battle? You can contrast the life of Paul with the superstories of the so-called miracle workers of perfectionism in Christian history. And there are lots of them. You read them. You can find their books. 
in bookstores of great Christian leaders who never faced any difficulty. It was success, 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 victory, victory, victory. It's all complete and utter nonsense. I prefer Paul. Paul is not a barefaced liar. He writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 3 to 13, some remarkably honest autobiographical notes about his life. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonour, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. So the Christian life is a battle. It requires determination and decisiveness. And for all Christians, it requires a decision to be serious in some things and aware of a world that the world denies, that of a spiritual reality. But Paul is not telling us to go to war against other people or other nations or societies. And our weapons are not real weapons at all. These are just images he uses to describe the spiritual struggle we have in life against our principal foe, Diabolos. Even in our struggle against others, we are not against them, but what they say, their arguments and positions. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Let me just say that again, because that really needs to be repeated again and again and again to Christian fascists who run the churches today. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Tomorrow we will examine the armour that is needed to repel the attack in our episode titled Freedom from Inferiority. Remember, freedom matters today because you matter to God. Freedom matters today looks at freedom from a Christian perspective. You can subscribe if you go to freedommatterstoday.com. Please visit our website and uh, keep out, keep your eye out for information regarding our ebooks in the next few weeks. Join me tomorrow for another episode 
of freedom from fear.